Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, a podcast that is currently on break but simply can't resist talking about a real doll. My name is Caroline O'Donoghue and I have a funky haircut and smell like basement. Joining me is the doll who's definitely not thinking about death anymore, it's Jen County. Hello. Hi. What should I say? Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. <laughs> I'm so ready for this. I'm, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy I'm here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you were specially requested. <gasps> Um, so as as many of you will have uh, at least you know noticed by now, um, I'm on break because I need to get married, move house, mm-hmm. and um, you know li- live my one wild and precious. Uh, but I just like I've been looking forward to Barbie for so long. It just felt silly and like poor faced to not do an episode Completely. out of season. And then a couple of people landed the DMs being like, "Can you please get Jen County on to talk about it?" Which is the greatest compliment I've ever received in my life. So yeah. whoever you are. Thank you. I think it, what's nice is that because you've done the Taylor Swift episodes with us before and, mm. and why is Taylor Swift but a living Barbie? Oh my, of course, <laughs> of course. It is a really simple jump. And actually, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like I'm often your on-break lady for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I've got a thing. <laughs> I have thoughts I simply must share. Are you around tonight? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> sure. Well, we actually saw Barbie last night we together. Did. And um, for you it was the first viewing. For me it was the second viewing. Uh, yeah, I feel like we're in, we're going to be in quite interestingly different places mm-hmm. here because you saw it last week. Yes. You've said, as you said, you've read everything under the sun and listened to all of the podcasts. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you've gone deep. You're like the Barbie academic right now. Yes. Whereas I saw it last night, went home, went to bed, went to work, thought about trains and buses all day. Yeah. And now I'm here. So like, I'm like, I'm still very fresh. Yeah. Yes, and, and also we went to quite a late viewing, so we, did. we didn't even have time to debrief afterwards. Mm-mm. So I know that you this, enjoyed it and I know nothing else. This is literally our debrief, but we have not spoken yeah. about this this film other than the, the toilet queue afterwards. Um, so before we begin, tell me, what is your relationship with Barbie? So, historically, mm. no relationship. I suspected. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I was, I was going to ask you what your relationship was and I see you beat me to it. But yeah, yeah. I was, I, I, I never had a Barbie growing up. Mm. And I don't think I ever wanted one, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to separate what you didn't want from what your parents didn't want for you. So okay. today I was like, did I not have Barbies because I didn't like Barbie or did my parents have a problem with Barbie? I don't think they did. I don't think my parents were anti-Barbie. So th- what were your toys of choice? Um, I think I was quite a feral child. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, there is a story about me from when I was at one point as a child given like a fairy doll with wings by like a... One yeah. of those kind of like random Father Christmases at a shopping centre. Yeah. And just for context, um, my father was a fighter pilot and we grew up on active air bases. And I picked it up and went... I was like three or something oh. and I had no idea what fairies were supposed to do. And I was like, wings, of course. It's so hard <laughs> it's to tell a supersonic jet. <laughs> It's so hard to tell about stories like a lesbian awakening story, a woman in STEM awakening story, or a my dad's in the army story. I know, and it really is just that one. But yeah, I think I, I never had Barbies growing up. And like, yeah. I remember I had lots of like farm animals mm. and like Lego oh, I and can Duplo see that. Yeah. and painting sets. And I was quite feral in the woods a lot. Yeah. Um, because I, again, living on an airbase is very safe for children to just piss off and do whatever they want um, but my brother did ballet so mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my parents weren't like ooh no I'm kind of pink in the house yeah. so yeah I just don't think I was much of a Barbie kid and I remember I was thinking about this today I was like I remember I used to live in fact I lived next door to a girl twice because that's what happens when you're a military brat yeah. and she was like a Barbie girl and she mm. was like little and pretty and blonde and she had the dream house and all the Barbies mm. and I remember just feeling like a kind of totally alien creature whenever I went to her house wow. like you know sexy baby monster on the hill and I was like what do we do with the Barbies so yeah I feel like my relationship is very kind of I don't know if I belong there I didn't feel like it was for me but now it does (laughs) well what was your relationship with Barbie did you have Barbies I feel like you would have had maybe one Oh, or did you have twenties? Oh, like, actually, it's no. Okay, between. so my my that's very interesting you say that. But um, the 
my relationship with Barbie was absolute love, absolute oh. adore. And I and I, and I've never stopped loving her. And if oh. I really think about it, I think she was my first piece of sentimental garbage because I I, I just I totally adored her mm-hmm. and I um I have the kind of, I have parents who even though we were, you know, very comfortably middle class or whatever they have a very well I think healthy relationship to toys and gifts mm-hmm. which was that you can have as many books as you want and your school uniform will always be clean and fresh and new but um you know toys are for Christmas and for birthdays you yeah know? like that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. kind yeah. of thing and so the Barbies I had were like Barbies that like were special you know mm. they were like the Barbie from Anastasia kind of thing <gasps> because that was my favorite movie that or like um Barbie. My I oh God, the first time I ever ever used the internet is like it was yesterday. I was I was probably about six or seven years old and um I there was a girl down the road from me who was slightly younger than me mm-hmm. and because and she had all the Barbies and she had all the things and just everything. Um her name was Lorna. If you're out there, Lorna. <laughs> I think about you sometimes. Um and because she was younger than me, I was able to sort of like be the uh artistic director of all of our Barbie games. Oh, okay. That's so it was my plot, my role. script, my yeah. story, my pick, my casting, yeah. you know, like everything. And that's what Barbie was for me. It was like having like Scarlett Johansson and Keira Knightley and Emma Mackey and whatever. It was like having those yeah. people in your house that you could make say your stories for you. Yeah. And I was I remember I was playing with Lorna and um art directing our, our games and her uh dad came in and said, What do you girls want to know about? We can we can access anything in the world. I have I I basically I've brought home the internet from work. Wow. Essentially. Like I have this can of internet, so what shall we do yeah. with it? And he, you could I can still remember what was his excitement of like showing mm. children something that he had just discovered yeah. himself. He just discovered fire and now he's showing it to you know, these small children. And we were like, Barbie. And then, <laughs> so the first website I ever saw was the Barbie website loading line by line. That's extremely cute. <laughs> and it's it, so beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it was the, um, sorry, this is such a long answer. But like, it was the uh, 90s, which was a, um, I'm, I'm somewhat of a Barbie scholar. <laughs> it was a real time. <laughs> I can see this and I'm really glad. <laughs> it was, um, the Dolls of the World collection were a big thing. Mm. Now, since the, the, which is basically like a, a Barbie from every country, and okay. uh, it's like you know, and sometimes an that's early like, foray into diverse inclusivity. Yes. by Mattel, I'm assuming. Well, there's actually there, there were there was always diverse Barbies from like the 70s onwards. Oh, okay, but um, I didn't know this. In terms of like, definitely the 80s and the 90s were a big mm-hmm. time for them pushing yeah. like. Not just Barbie who happens to have black skin, but like people who have like, you know, um, costumes and, yep. you know, whatever. And some of it was very respectful and some of it was very beautiful. Some of it was a bit like, okay. Not so much. Okay, yeah, I can, <laughs> All right, I can imagine a, that. A little bit of a lampshade head going on here. Maybe Ooh. that's not so mm. cool. But I just remember all these Barbies loading up and he printed for me, what he, he let me um, print a picture of what I thought the most beautiful one was. And it was um, it was Indian Barbie. She had like a pink sari with a gold sash. Oh. And um, I brought it home. I pinned it up on my wall. And then shortly afterwards, my mum went on a trip to London and she went to Hamley's and she brought that doll back for me. And it's still in there. Oh, oh. Yeah. That is a, you've got a very meaningful relationship with Barbie. <laughs> so meaningful. So you can... You yeah, I can, I can imagine why this is a very important thing for you that you have to come back off break from. And um, FYI... I've seen it twice. In a, it's been <laughs> a fortnight. I've seen it twice. You've seen it twice in a week. <laughs> you're moving house next week. You're meant to be packing. Gavin doesn't know you're here doing this. <laughs> this is a secret podcast. The first he'll know is when it comes out. <laughs> I should not have said that. No, he's going to know later. Yeah, he's going to know when he gets home and he realises that, like, when he just sees that there's, like, all the packing tape abandoned on the floor, a dog, the dog with a sign around its fucking head saying, feed me, and just the back door open and the door slamming in the wind. Like just a little trail of, like, pink tool on the way to central London. Sparkles, yes, yes. So, okay, um, so two people with very different yeah. historical mm-hmm. kind of context for Barbie and also mm-hmm. a very different movie context yes. as a as a fresh fresh off the boat Barbie having mm. just seen it yesterday and a real you've gone deep you yeah. know all the things yeah in, oh, in, in many ways this is what I've been waiting for my entire life <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> the pressure yeah uh, so yeah, I'm, yeah I even put myself under a huge pressure I think it's why <laughs> you know, sometimes they put donkeys in with racehorses to camp them down 
In terms of our Barbie knowledge, I am the racehorse that's yeah. pulsating with muscle and sweat. You're this like trembling, whinnying, like, yeah. and I'm just there in the corner chewing some straw and being like, like sure. <laughs> Give me some oats. I don't mind sharing my oats. <laughs> so what did you think of the movie? I absolutely loved it. I went yeah. in with like no expectations mm-hmm. um, because I was on holiday last week, which is why I only saw it yesterday. And I intentionally avoided anything that might be a spoiler because I just sort of wanted to go in mm-hmm. like raw. And anything I might have imagined is not what that film was, which I mm. think is probably everyone's experience of mm. it. Like... I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect that. And I just, I really enjoyed what felt like, it's kind of chaotic. Like, there's no Mm. two ways around it. It's like this sort of magpie's nest of stuff. And it's like, it's like Greta Gerwig at every turn was like, and why not do this? Mm. Yes, and. And she just Mm. kept on going. And I think like, as a whole, it almost reminded me, and this is a massive compliment, of when you're a kid and you're playing with dolls or farmyard animals and you're making up stories and it just goes completely like in random directions it felt like that yes because there was all these different storylines and I was and even watching it like I think I'm usually quite good at being like and I think this will happen next Mm. and I just didn't know I did (laughs) yeah right (laughs) I kept on being like whoa okay sure that that's not what I thought would come up now and now we're doing this and now there's yeah now there's a dance scene and I just honestly I just like grinned the whole way through and just cackled I think most of it too and just grabbed your hand a lot and was like <laughs> in your ear which I'm sure you really enjoyed <laughs> I really did it just it was it was extraordinary it was like everything a Barbie movie should be as I, I say as the donkey the Barbie donkey here <laughs> but also everything I would never have expected a Barbie movie to be and particularly one which is co-signed by Mattel like yeah. and again I think not to bring my quite boring job in, but I work in advertising and I work with big brands and I know how precious they are about their IP and how like funny they get about stuff. And, and how, it was how much they drink their own Kool-Aid. Oh Do you God, know what I mean? yeah. Like just some of the stuff that was that went into it, I was like, it's it works so well. But like, honestly, the brass balls on the Mattel executives who were like, sure, we'll sign that off. Yeah. We're not going to veto that. We're going to fund that. I thought it was... <laughs> <laughs> not only will we not veto it, we will fund it. It was It was amazing. And I just, like, I just think in every way it's just a, a, a fantastic film. So, yeah. I, that's my that's yeah. my top review. I will be delving into the specifics there, of course. But The phrase that I've been hearing a lot around it has been the film, the, the, the ultimate thing of, like, having its cake and eating it kind of yeah. thing. Because it, it's sort of pointing out, very painstaking, like... There's no getting around that people, as many people as love Barbie, as people who hate Barbie yeah. too, or are simply ambivalent. Um, and the idea that like that they delineated very clearly all the very reasonable arguments. Yes. Why Barbie is maybe not good for women or mm. whatever, which is an argument I personally have never felt held water myself. My argument being that, like, if Barbie were the only thing in our society that was telling women to be <laughs> yes. thin and glamorous yeah, um, and also hold down a variety of jobs and whatever, yeah. um, then if Barbie were the only thing that did that, perhaps I would find that more more legitimate. Yeah, although I suppose there is that, because again, working in advertising, quite often yeah. you get the sort of the often fair criticism of you are perpetuating stereotypes mm-hmm. and great that lots of legislation now exists to prevent that but the defence has always been well advertising just reflects society and reflects yeah. what people like and Barbie is the same like it's a product so it, yeah it's it's not Barbie's fault Barbie didn't start this it yeah. wasn't like until Barbie came along everyone was like hey you don't have to look a certain way Yeah, you don't yeah. have to be blonde and beautiful like that, that clearly wasn't the case but I suppose it can't be avoided that it has a role, particularly quite an important developmental period in people's lives of setting potential ideas of femininity, which obviously now quite different yeah. in terms of how they produce the dolls, but historically was very, was a bit, I think could be alienating as again, mm. going back to my little like, imagine me, I'm three foot tall, I look like a hobbit, um, <laughs> I'm covered in leaves, I've been roller skating through the forests and my next door neighbour's like, do you want to play Barbies? And I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm allowed to touch the pretty pink sparkle thing. Um, and is I that think what it was, felt like? Yeah. Or did it feel like that seems boring? No, it didn't feel like that seems boring. It literally felt like I'm stick of the dump. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> like, I've brought my dog. <laughs> what we do, I don't know. Yeah. I've and, brought my I, dog and a bit of rope. Yeah, and I think there's something there around the idea of like femininity and 
the sort of femininity that is yeah or was I think and growing up was supposed to be acceptable and was what you were supposed to yeah. be or do as a woman but at the same time it's you say Barbie is not responsible for all. <laughs> it's not no. even a tiny bit responsible I mean you look back at the history of it as well the fact that and it's in the film we all know at the opening yeah. minutes it was the first doll that wasn't just you can pretend to be someone's mum now mm. like that is phenomenal and I thought it was amazing how Again, I, I think if I'd if you'd asked me, is this going to have some kind of like feminist morality tale in it with a kind of clear thesis, I'd have been like, yes, this is going to be mm. a film where I'm going to have something said to me about feminism and what it is to be a woman, and it's going to be like tied up with a little pink bow at the end. Yeah. And I loved that it didn't do that. It just kind of allowed space for so many things to be true at once. It was like, it's true that this doll is meant to make girls feel more confident and more empowered but it's also true that for some people yeah. it represents something quite different and it was a film that didn't shy away from any of that it just sort of like let it play out and let it let it exist and it was just gloriously accepting of it, that it, it's so funny isn't it because like i think there's a lot of um noise around the film as because it is so in conversation yeah. with feminism with like the word patriarchy is about comes up about <laughs> 700 times and like my sister took her family to see it and <laughs> including my six-year-old nephew rex oh. and he when he left the, when he left the cinema, he just went, what's patriarchy <laughs> he was <laughs> like, like it's horses men and horses, men and horses. <laughs> like so it's funny they say what it isn't but not what it is yeah for, for a six-year-old he's like what um oh, yeah but uh, all this noise around it being about sort of um, gender and you know what the Kens represent and all that kind of thing, but well, I feel like if the argu- if the movie is making an argument against anything, it's binaries and jingoism. Yes, right. It's yeah. actually not. It's not against men. It's no. not against. It's not. It's like not even about idealized. It's not even against idealized gender presentation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's It's about living within the complexities yes um of and the gray areas of being alive and being a human being um and the temptation to fall into oversimplified worldviews yeah. which both Barbie and Ken mm-hmm. experience right because Barbie has this thing where she's like she starts experiencing like thoughts of death and cellulite and it's also funny and gray and she's repeatedly like, no, I, d- I don't want more complexity. No. I don't want to wear the Birkenstocks. She's like, no, the, the heel, the pink Give me one. the nice one. <laughs> yeah. And like, and, and Ken's the exact same in, in his way. He wants, it to, he wants everything to be a simplified worldview. And that's such a, uh, it echoes both the experience of growing up and also the experience of being alive mm. precisely at this moment yep. kind of thing, where people do seem very lost and they have more things explaining their feelings to them than they have feelings. Yeah, and there's too many sort of like, this is the simple answer. Just subscribe to this doctrine and it'll all make sense. And that's a film that just puts paid to all of it and goes, well, that's true, but that's also true. This thing is true. So, and there isn't, there is no like didactic morality tale in it. It isn't, I don't think it is trying to land a particular school of thought. I just really, and that thing of like to it. to be human is yeah. to live within complexity and yeah. for me the like the most moving part of the movie the second time around mm. which didn't totally land with me the first time was the you know when Ruth Handler as sort of like God kind of Rhea Perlman as Ruth Handler as God or you know? as uh, I felt like just just a little thing there before we go into it yeah. like kind of that was like Pinocchio she was breast in blue it was like blue fairy yes, isn't it so I'm yes. going to be a real boy like there was there was so much and there's just so much like elusivity oh my god of course the Pinocchio reference but that's, yeah. that's she's becoming she's the creator and she's the Geppetto of yeah. like Barbie and is making her into a real girl with a real vagina <laughs> Back, back to that in the middle. But you were saying that yeah. thing that was very moving. The the bit I found the most moving and affecting was Ruth's character saying, you know, Barbie is, is you know, being a... She's like, I can't in good faith let you be a human being or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that it, you know, it, it's hard and there's only one ending and people invent concepts just to make it more comfortable, like, like Barbie or like mm. the patriarchy and like... Yeah, we do just invent stories and dreams and theories and ideas and movements just to bear being alive yeah. and being alive is, you know, death and disappointment and arguments and betrayal and like, and that, so like the, the main character just says yes to all of it. I find it so moving. I think if I would watch it again, I would probably cry at that bit. Yeah. I think, <laughs> like I'm crying now. <laughs> you are. <laughs> well enough a little bit there. But yeah, I think uh, watching that, I was, I was so very much like Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah. 
just so cute. But I think, God, yeah. The bit that made me cry was the, um, which is probably a really obvious bit, but the old lady when she's yeah. sitting there on the beach and she says, you're really beautiful. And the old lady yeah. goes, like, I know. And it's just that moment because there are no old people in Barbie land. Yeah, she's yeah, never re- seen ageing before. There's no such thing as old Barbie. That's no. just not a thing. <laughs> probably there should be. But I don't know, that just really, like, I immediately just, like, teared up and just this thing of, because it's so obvious and so easy for anything about Barbie to become about physical beauty. And that's yeah. such a fraught topic and it's one that is so difficult to get to the right yeah. answer on. But I thought that was just done in a really, like, a very poignant and very yeah. emotive way. Just that little moment where I was like, she is beautiful. And she's just reading her magazine at the bus stop. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I know it. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've heard Greta Gerwig speak about that moment mm-hmm. a lot and of it being, you know, that is her friend who's a, like a legendary costume designer oh, wow. and just a real character and a real card. And she said, I, um, she said she'd do the movie if I bought her three martinis. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> just so fabulous. What a phenomenal rider. <laughs> and what amazing. And like the idea that like she, Greta was, you know, like this is the, if that, this, if this goes, then I go. That This is the heart of the movie. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. there we go. The, even the Barbie donkey has noticed something important. <laughs> She was the Barbie donkey. I didn't. I haven't even read the commentary, and I still identify that as the important <laughs> moment. Give me a gold star. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Oh god. So okay. So let's. Okay. Um, she's having a weep. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. <laughs> um. So I want to talk about Barbie Land. I love Barbie. And how Land. I could have spent six hours in Barbie Land. Just nothing going wrong. <laughs> I just. I partly hope that they make it into a real thing that you can go to and I partly don't because I don't want to see all the Instagrams. Oh my God. Oh, oh, I forgot about, yeah. There definitely was a period, I think, in the days leading up to the, like, Mm. theatre release date where I just stopped going on Instagram because I was so bored of every single brand going like... I felt like Greta lived in my house with me. I I was just like, please get away. (laughs) Go away. Please get away from me. And it would just be like the most random things, you know? I, I can't even remember examples and I wouldn't name names, but I was just like, seriously? Why? Why? Why are you doing this too? There's no exposure to be anyway. I think it was just it was a moment in time. Yeah. But Barbie Land, yes. Like the and the fact that it wasn't CGI'd as well. I mean, if such an easy option would have been to like oh CGI so the, easy. green screen the shit out of it and just yeah. like make it all computers. But it was so real. Everything was real. And I I did I did actually our, our lovely friend Becky sent me one article yes. today which I read on my way here to just mm-hmm. to be like so I've like at least got some facts and I skimmed it and the only thing that I remember from it oh there's two things I remember and one was that in Barbie Land there are seven sons so that no one is in shadows at any point <gasps> oh that is I don't good know if that's true I haven't or not. heard that one seven <laughs> but, sons but there are seven sons and yeah. I and I don't know what that means because I literally was giving this article but I assume it also means the way they lit the movie if you think about it there yeah. weren't any like dark cavernous spaces no I don't think anyone cast a shadow in that movie so interesting and that does sort of like lend itself to the unreality of the whole what's so fabulous about that is that like obviously they're trying they've built so successfully this world that is like completely mimics a child's imagination as they are playing right and the whole thing of you almost you didn't need it explained of like nobody ever walks their Barbie down the stairs you just pick up your Barbie and you put it there and there's no liquids there's no liquids there's no organic matter at all you know and it was just the, the sticker decals in the fridge oh just did my And the way she just walks in. over the pool at the beginning. <laughs> no. Like, you would, wouldn't you? You'd be like, that's cool and blue. She's walking across that. But even like all the kind of little manners of speech, like I was struck when, you know, she's having her day and she goes see goes to see the president. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and and the, the president, you know, it's Issa Rae and she's like, and turn to the Barbie on your left and say this and, turn, and, and tell her and give her a compliment. And then she just keeps saying no comment. She's like, ha ha ha, no. No comment. Haha. <laughs> no. And it's like that's how when you're completely when you're a child and you're playing like an official person, yeah. that's like the one thing that you know. Like I remember even seeing a video of Northwest say it. Oh my god. Or saying no pictures, no pictures. Oh my god. It's like you hear those stories of of kids, particularly who are the children of people who work in my industry, like yeah. faking being on the phone and being like, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll call you back. Like, the toddler's doing that. Like, it's just, yes, all the little, like, verbal tics of a kid playing. I remember this tweet, this woman who works in publishing, and she said, I was asked my... (laughs) I asked my five-year-old what game she was playing, and she said, Acquisitions. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so lovely, the idea of just, like... 
kids oh. sapping up like little fragments of their parents' jobs. Well, I mean, it's like hoovering them up. thinking that a fairy is a jet plane, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful that's all you've really got for your reference point is what your parents do which is everything just every time i was reminded of this sort of like child world was just so it's just like even when one of the kens he picks up a binoculars and it's just like a plastic binoculars with no lenses so (laughs) everything was so delightful the little rear view mirror in the car which was just like a decal as well yeah (laughs) just this little pink and blue spot we also saw it on the biggest screen i've ever been in my life it was like the size of a four-story building so you really could see everything up close which i which was like i've never really been to an imax screening before but i was like oh i it shouldn't be for for explosions it should be for yeah. details I don't even think it was an IMAX I think really? IMAX is even bigger I think oh IMAX my god is I like, want to see what an IMAX is I then I think I'd be alarmed and afraid in an IMAX um, yeah but anyway this it was, was very alarming it was very big like but it was, it was what a huge screen is made for which is totally. like catching little details and Completely. like I don't want to see war up close no I want to see the dream house <laughs> And also the fact that like what's not really find I find so satisfying is that like the proportions of Barbie world. So it's like the ratio yes. of Barbie's head to the ceiling is always only like an inch or so. Because but like and that's not how we wouldn't really notice that. No. But that's just what makes it all feel oh. like toys. It was yeah, the attention to detail in every single bit of it. Yeah. But just, then this this sort of wonderful rug pull in the first sort of minute and a half of um, you know, and because Barbie can be anyone, that means that girls can be anything kind of thing. And, then, <laughs> and that's why all problems of feminism have been solved, which is so fantastic. Oh. It's just like, oh, like my best argument for Buff, for Buff for Ravi, my <laughs> best argument for Barbie being underwritten by the Barbie movie. Because totally. it's like, if that were true, then it would be true. Yes. <laughs> And it's just said with just this this childlike wonder as yeah. well. It's just like, and this is true, and this is fine. And it, like, even with that, it was a movie that is kind of in many ways devoid of cynicism as well. Like, yeah. it's just everyone in it is just in it. Like, no one is there trying to be like, mm, I'm in a Barbie film, but I'm gonna yeah. like do a slight side eye to camera. Like, everyone just embraced it, and the movie itself embraced its own kind of like high camp, yeah, just earnest. <laughs> I just honestly there were moments during like the Ryan Gosling dance scenes where I was like give this man an Oscar for this like just like the embodiment of just a silly first time I fancied him really yeah I've never really seen it with Ryan Gosling before but just seeing any man who's that classically attractive Mm. be that silly is so horny to me silly men are just it's it for me why don't they know this i wish they knew (laughs) so few of them realize that you you don't and i mean i suppose that's one of the things that you find in this movie is that ken is so much more attractive when he's just being a silly lovely goof than when he's doing his mojo dojo casa house beer (laughs) stuff like it's just bad ken and i was like oh i feel like i've dated bad ken before yeah but good ken is what you want (laughs) she doesn't want either of them well she doesn't want either okay she doesn't but like me watching it as it i'm like this is a good lesson in what is you know positive masculinity although he only has one job and it's beach and he lives within her gaze which is of course also problematic barbie has a perfect day every day and ken only has a good day when barbie Barbie looks looks at at him him. Okay. I just as well something that I found so wonderful about you know absorbing that Ken performance the second time around mm-hmm. because the first time around it's just an assault of charisma and just so much just Ryan silly gooseling like he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's a silly gooseling he's being a silly gooseling and <laughs> the and the, but it's such everything he does is such a wonderful surprise like mm-hmm. sublime you know it's just like yeah. it just hits you in waves and waves of like of incredible charisma and everything is so surprising and wonderful and but then watching it for the second time I thought about it more in the context of, you know, Ryan Gosling is somebody who came up with Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears in the Mickey Mouse oh Club my gosh, in yeah. the 90s. And like a singing, dancing child who then, you know, over like post The Notebook, mm-hmm. which was his apex moment of like sealing his heart in millennial women's yeah. hearts and minds and groins. Um but there's this theory that I've been... I'm actually... When I get into the next season of Sentimental Garbage, I would really like to examine more, which is 
the the hunk to hero trajectory, which mm. is bear with. Okay. This idea that like an actor arrives into the public consciousness and he arrives as a man in his early 20s generally mm-hmm. think Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate About You yeah. think Ryan Gosling in The Notebook yeah. um, he's a princeling You these little princelings that arrive Matthew McConaughey in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they arrive in our consciousness and they are their their comedy chops and their romantic charisma and their dramatic abilities are nurtured by female culture and we all nurture it and we're just like yes our guy our guy our guy and then we we nurture it for long enough and then sooner or later the call from Christopher Nolan comes or the call from Quentin Tarantino comes and that man shoots out the barn door of women's gaze and becomes the darling of the manosphere and oh that's what happened God. to Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling went from fucking the notebook to drive and he never looked back. And most of them don't. But Ryan did. He came back for He's us. He's come back for us. <laughs> I love him. Right? <laughs> like, I, I had this epiphany while I was on another podcast and then we were talking about, about like the rom-coms we could have gotten out of Heath Ledger. And I was like, no, we were never going to get another rom-com out of Heath Ledger. You know, Ledger. you never know. I don't think we would have. But Okay. <laughs> I think he had he had gone down the Nolan uh, tube yeah. and he was never going to come back regardless, life or death. But like, Gosling came back for us. He came back for us. <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Oh, I think that speaks volumes about him as a person. Yeah, yeah. And... This is, yeah. I mean, I, I have fancied him previously, so, mm-hmm. uh, but it was a very attractive performance yeah. despite the fact that he has no genitals and <laughs> is wearing a mink coat with a pony lining for but much of it. The men who are going to see uh, Barbie are going to see it for Ryan Gosling because he is their Barbie. <laughs> you know, like... He is their Barbie. He is. I find it very dear when very straight men just uh, when they do gla- when okay so we we send our our Goslings our Ledgers our McConaughey's down the pipe into into the Kendom <laughs> and they do their their Christopher Nolan movies or whatever and um, then that's when 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 a when a man has gotten the love of the straight men that's when it's safe to to come back yeah but the atmosphere around it changes and like they're, they're the way they talk about them is so like, I listen to my brother talk about actors like this or or Gavin talk about actors like this it's very puffed up and mm. proud it's very like well if Gosling's do it it must be good you know it's very like oh they're so reverential yeah I have to say to that point of kind of like the hero movie and the superhero movie and the war movie yeah. one of my favourite moments was the D-Day landings of the yeah. Kens like <laughs> I just because this is one of those things that I definitely you know, and this is the horror of war is real, mm-hmm. but the horror of having to watch a film about war is even realer to me. <laughs> and again, military child, so I've had to sit yeah. through a lot. But like, just those films where it's there are no women and there's no joy and there's no humour and it's just relentless, harrowing men screaming through the front lines. Yeah. I really enjoy that they remade that with horsey boats and little plunger arrows. I just, I, I think that, that was a moment that I just felt like... So genius. Every single male actor in that scene was, knew that they were clowning up. Yeah. Basically, their bread and butter, the, the where they make their dollar. And yeah. it's a brave move to do it. And it just cinematically, 
on that big old screen. I was like, I'm not watching. I don't know what the most recent one was. Some version modern of Band of Brothers. Yeah, um, I'm watching the Dunkirk. Barbie. Dunkirk. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I didn't see it. Um, and, no, and it wasn't I for us. <laughs> it wasn't for us. Yeah, but somehow apparently it's greater cinema than Barbie, and it's absolutely not. Well, this and is the Barbie just, versus Oppenheimer thing again, isn't it? You know? like, it's, that's just not even a thing. It's not. There's no. It's verses. just not a thing. Like you can see one or both, or you can see neither, and no one cares. <laughs> like it's just, it's just no. I agree. Not a thing. Not a thing. But that scene was phenomenal. And actually, this leads me on to one of the other things I absolutely adored about this film is, um, and the reason I think of that is because there's that moment during the battle, the Great Ken battle, where the sort of like chorus line of businessmen appears, mm. Will Ferrell and his, oh, yeah. and his like troop. <laughs> Utterly narratively irrelevant, but, but so joyful. But the thing is, I think they are narratively relevant in, in two ways. One, it's because at that moment when they're having the fight, someone just says something and then Will Ferrell's character goes, oh no, there are no weapons here. And I'm like, there are no weapons in Barbie land. There is no, no. there is no, there are no tools of violence in the world of Barbie. Like, there are moments when Barbie is sort of when she's in the real world and she feels confronted by suddenly, like, an unusual male gaze. But there is no active, like, jeopardy for Barbie at any point. At no point do you worry she's genuinely going to be murdered or assaulted. Like, it's a film which has no actual villains in it. And that is really refreshing for a film with a female main character. Like, Will Ferrell was set up to be the kind of, like, small cat holding, like evil character and actually he was just a sort of chump who pranced through and had a lovely time and clearly was like a bit of a Peter Pan character who'd never grown up <laughs> and just liked playing with dolls as well and by the and end he was just very invested in Barbie's hate safety yeah. and you mean, <laughs> as an ideological concept completely and just the way at the beginning when, when they sort of the boardroom opens and it's all the men and you're like mm. oh yeah these are going to be the bad guys because it's all the men controlling yeah. the way girls think and actually it turns out that they're not they're just this sort of like gentle almost like tap dancing <laughs> like I, I, troop yeah. <laughs> and that, that bit where where again I don't even know what his character is Mr. Mattel whoever call me mother um, yeah. just casually mentions that the ghost of Ruth Ander just lives on the 17th floor and he's cool with that and that like weird chase scene where they don't catch her I just they, it was just like a weird lovely comedy of errors and there's no one who's bad at the end of it you don't sit there and go oh any of the Kens were the villain or even the patriarchy wasn't really the villain. Yeah, because there's no, villain. because there's no weapons, no villain. No weapons, no villain. And and Ken, once he realised it wasn't about horses, he kind of laughed himself <laughs> anyway. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> Wouldn't so many more men lose interest? It's so <laughs> funny to me, though, how you would think, if, when confronted with our world, that horses and men do run it together. Because just any statue, any painting. So good. Yeah, of course. Oh, they're friends. Together. And the police on the horses. And the police on the that it, that was to me the, the one of the first big like oh shit kind of because, <laughs> the, um, the you know the, this could very easily be mistaken at first glimpse for being almost like a hundred million dollar SNL sketch kind of thing and actually bears a lot of resemblances to uh, years ago Britney Spears did a Barbie SNL sketch which actually she's great in okay and, never um, seen it we'll but watch. you know how sometimes like an SNL character will be so successful they'll make a whole movie out of it like Wayne's World do you know what I mean I did not know that was an SNL character yeah originally I've yeah. learned something new today thank you okay but like you know it, this thing of like this is clearly a sort of a fairly thin comedy concept mm-hmm. but a- adorable enough that we can yeah. watch it for a long time yeah. Um, and and that being the very Wayne's World sort of concept or whatever. But then the moment where I was like, oh, this is really aiming to be a cerebral thinking person's movie that's also incredibly fun um, was when Ryan Gosling is going up the escalators at Century City and he's seeing all the men on the money, yeah. you know, all the presidents, all the you know men shaking hands, Al Pacino in a mink, like, you know, or Sylvester Stallone. Like, the... Um, the thing of like, oh, we've been looking at Barbie Land for 45 minutes about like, oh, what a crazy fantasy. Mm. But we're living in the flip version of that crazy fantasy. Yes. <laughs> and it's all just there. <laughs> it's all just there. All on the money. On the money, all the horses, all the statues. That was one of the things that really did surprise me actually was the way that we kind of flip between real world and Barbie world. Mm-hmm. Again, I kind of was like, is this going to be a movie all in Barbie world? Or is it going to start mm-hmm. in Barbie World and end in Barbie World? But I like the way that it just kind of went forward. Yeah, and, and how and how the logic of Barbie World 
bled into that world by yeah. way of Mattel's boardroom. Like, yeah. Like, I think a lot, lots of... I've spoken to people who this movie did not work for and mm. and they're, they're smart people, but they were like... One of the many um, complaints was that the, the, the logic of it fell apart for them when, like, Mattel's whole vibe was seemed to be, like, almost like Barbie world. They didn't really... They thought it worked. They thought it was just, like... It just shattered the thing for them. Like the real world should be the real world, and the Barbie world should be Barbie world kind of thing. But you know, I, guess I, that's I liked the, choice. that that Mattel was kind of this weird liminal space between the imaginary child world and yeah. the real world. It's a town know, in Sweden. It like, but <laughs> that's what Barbie Land is. But Mattel is just this huge building. They were wearing their little, the little cut off jumpers. <laughs> Do you know, just their, their little chinos and their little grey. The bit where I used to wear a uniform like that when I worked in a fancy hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I really felt, I really felt for them. The bit where that interny low-level employee yes. guy, who you think is going to be more of a character, no, and just, just becomes not a character. He's just cute. I'm a man with no power. Does that make me a woman? <laughs> The bit where he's like, so is Barbie Land like an imaginary liminal space, or is it like a real place? And everyone turns to him and goes, yes. yes. <laughs> I think, like, yeah, I I think actually the Mattel part is one of the bits that I really, enjoy, really? really enjoyed. And again, partly probably that affection comes from just knowing that Mattel helped make this film and they were so happy to just be like, yeah, it's fine, take the piss out of us. Yeah. Just like, do what you want. No worries. Maybe though when you heighten, thinking about Mattel as being the major sponsors of this film, mm. when you heighten your own office to being this like crazy farcical space, it's a way easier way of depicting it because it's... Yeah, probably. Like I, th- I think a lot about um, how when The Social Network came out and how Mark Zuckerberg took his entire staff to go see it mm. and in order to own... So in order to own the parody of yourself, you have to sort of laugh at it louder than everybody else. Yes. Although you, that wasn't a parody, was no, it? it wa- <laughs> no, it wasn't. But, you know, you have to show yeah. that you're in on the joke yes. in order for no one to feel sorry for you or to raise an eyebrow. And I think maybe, possibly, although I do believe it was Greta's vision entirely, yeah, pushing I, yourselves as being the cartoonish farcical sort of sweeps it away from being any real um, criticism of you as a company. That is probably true, actually. I still can't think of any clients or brands I've worked for that would allow it. Like, yeah, no, I truly. feel like it's still... It's quite a cerebral thing to push a... Like, yeah. if you're working with that client, being like, the thing is, the more idiotic you seem, actually, the less culpable yeah. you appear. That's not a logic <laughs> like, that normally goes down well. Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> they just... Yeah, I actually, the other, the one, the two things that I remember from the one article I read on my mm-hmm. way here, <laughs> one being The Seven Sons, and the other was, and I've got a piece of paper because I wrote it down, was that the, the right at the beginning of the film, the quote, like, all of these women are Barbie, and Barbie is all of these women, is something that Greta Gerwig was actually told at the Mattel offices really? by executives. And she said of it, this is extraordinary. This is very high spiritual work that they've done. And I was like, that's wonderful. That was like, that's the two things that landed in my brain from that article. But it is. Every woman is Barbie. And Barbie oh, is everyone. Yeah. All of these women are Barbie and, and, and Barbie is all of these it women. Is, it is a very high-minded, like, Just philosophy. called Barbie. Well, or, when, or Alan. Or Alan. <laughs> and Alan. And Alan. And Alan. He can wear all of Ken's clothes. <laughs> His clothes fit me. I'm Ken's friend. <laughs> One of my favourite parts of the movie is because I first saw it with um, Tashinella when, mm-hmm. on like a day after it came out. Yeah. In the BFI, everyone in pink. Um, oh, you had the whole experience. All the girls' gays and days were out, man. It was so oh. fun. And what I keep thinking about, because everyone keeps talking about this sort of um, the, the Barbie Oppenheimer thing and how mm. great it is for cinemas. And what I keep thinking is that, like, all of these cinemas, because their seasons have been, it's been progressively worse business mm-hmm. the last few years, would have laid a lot of people off. So getting the staff. Oh, God. It must, <laughs> it must to, be like, impossible. Like Christmas staff, but for Barbie. Like Christmas staff, but for Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like, it must be very difficult to yes. cinema and just get the people in. And, like, yeah. what if someone's sick? Um, but anyway, we went afterwards on the train home. Me and Ella just, like, were so lit up with the whole thing that, like, we were like, we live in Barbie land. Like, I know, I, like, this might not be true for every woman, and maybe everyone doesn't feel this way, but I certainly feel like every single woman I know knows how to take a compliment, knows exactly how beautiful and smart and talented she is. <laughs> like, a, a lot of the women I know in whatever field they've chosen, they tend to be pretty high up in it. 
and they all got these great boyfriends who are just interesting little guys. And <laughs> <laughs> their job is beach. <laughs> like, what is your boyfriend's job if not beach? <laughs> My boyfriend's job is computer. I know, but spiritually, his job is beach. <laughs> to be fair, he does like beach. <laughs> he likes boat. He <laughs> doesn't like sea, though. Which is weird. His job is boat. His job is boat. He's, he's not a sailor, but his job is boat. He just boat. likes boat. <laughs> to sit on boat. Yeah. And that that's is, nice. That is very nice. But I think actually as well, having said I agree with that, I also was really... Um, I felt very seen by... And so the Sasha and Gloria characters Mm -hmm. who were good and cool, but like very much not the emotional heart of the movie for me. But there were a couple of moments where I did really relate to both of them. And I think, first of all, was most obviously Sasha, so the daughter. Mm. The way that... And it's not really called out, but it just sort of happens gently in the background. She just becomes a bit less cynical and mm. does sort of just embrace aspects of herself like having a ribbon in her hair and mm-hmm. it's not like that takes away from who she is and that she's smart and funny and very sassy she just is allowed or allows herself to become a bit more to sort of it play with her femininity her feminine side through the movie and I really enjoyed that mm. again as, as a child who grew up not really sort of feeling that that was a culture that felt like mine yeah. and, and being a teenager and being like oh what if I want to wear a dress and lipstick and like have long hair and be the mm. first woman in my whole family to have long hair <laughs> mainly because I have more hair um, <laughs> but, like they were all like why is your hair long and I was like because it's nice <laughs> but I really sort of I felt I felt quite seen by her as a character and she's not the obvious character and she's not the main character but mm. there's something there around being able to go like you you know you can be clever and smart and like very culturally and politically aware and you can also, like, wear a pink jumpsuit if you want. Those two things are not incompatible. Um, but the other thing that I really enjoyed was... was, um, And it's sort of is slightly rooted in motherhood, which is not a thing that I know about. But Gloria, her mum, talking about when Barbie's having her little meltdown mm. and she's like, but I'm not the CEO and I'm not the president and I haven't won a Nobel Prize. I really felt that too because I, I think sometimes, um, and I'm conscious that, like I do have a, I'm fairly good at my job, but there's still this pressure, like particularly if you're a person who doesn't have children, but I think also just if you are any person who's a woman to like prove yourself and be the best mm. at everything. And I've had a conversation at least once, possibly twice, possibly five times with various people, usually older women, where I've been like, I feel like true equality will come when I as a woman can phone it in at work as much as my male equivalents can. I'm just not to say that any of my male equivalents do phone it in at work, but they could more than I could. You know, like mm. men in my job, if they want to just sort of like faff around a bit more, they have so much more leeway than women do. I think we just are, we're held to higher standards. Mm. And there's almost a sense that like, particularly if you are not going to have a family, that that must be because you've decided to focus on your career and become the very best of whatever you do. And I just, like, really felt like it was kind of woven in there, this sense of, like, but is it okay to just be, like, ordinary Barbie? (laughs) And is it would it be all right to, to, like... In a flattering top, just trying to feel okay? Yes, exactly. And and I'm not saying that I am, like, ordinary Barbie every single day or that anyone is, but I really liked that 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 space was there for that to be a thing, too, and to go, you don't have to be the CEO or write a book or win a Nobel Prize. You can just be a person. And that is that is enough, and that really spoke to me because yeah, there are days when people are like, oh, so like how you know why do you work a four day week? And I'm like, I don't want to work five. There's no real reason for it. (laughs) I just don't want to be there five days a week, and I feel like I'm supposed to justify that, but there isn't a reason. I think that's so fabulous. Like, I think different people have had different reactions to that. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely hear what you're saying, and like the pressure, particularly if you've like someone who's been you know, vocal about not wanting children, mm-hmm. there is this automatic switch that gets flipped. It's like, oh, so you must be someone who wants to be the panther of the boardroom. Yeah. <laughs> the career woman. And you're like, no, I just want to have a really nice, like, rounded life where I take trips and... I just want to have... Is it not enough to just want to have a nice time? Yeah, that is a that is definitely a thing. And that's fucked up. Am, am I allowed to just enjoy, like, wonder at the world and take my joys and, like... Yeah, my my sense of self from things that aren't the thing that pays me. Yes. Yeah. But it's this sort of... This thing of... And it, they get at it in the monologue, but, you know, Barbie is this character 
who has existed in our public consciousness since the 1960s. And she has been controversial that entire time. Yeah. And, um, you know, the one of the f- the first sort of focus group testing that was ever done on Barbie as a dog because kids wanted her badly. But mm-hmm. parents were like, this is a weird, sexy toy. Like This is like inappropriate, which I get if that, if that doll has never existed before. Suddenly having like this like blonde doll with titties. <laughs> and they're big titties. They're big titties. Mm-hmm. And so there was this um, child psychologist that was did this focus group and... Um, oh, I feel like I've heard about this. Yes, yes, it's fantastic. And he, he, so he talked to all the mothers or whatever, and he, from this focus, they were all very disturbed mm. by her. But once they sort of clung on to the idea that this being 1963, that they all had this low level fear that their daughters, who were growing up in like post-war suburbs and running around outside and climbing trees and scabs on their knees and everything, that their sort of raffishness would not be phases they grew out of and they would become homely or overeducated or any of the reasons that... Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. Any, and this was yeah. not this was not something that, that, like, you know, this was not a Stepford wife thing of them blathering it around. It was, no. just, it was clearly a deep-seated yeah. fear yeah. of these women feeling that their daughters would not grow out of tomboyishness, would not find husbands, and would not learn the skills of womanhood mm-hmm. properly, and that Barbie is supposed to be this... was originally marketed as something that was, like, taught you poise, grace, and would eventually get you the meal ticket to husbandry, you know? Good Lord. And, you know, so then, so there's that that originally comes in in yeah. the early 1960s with this baby sort of boomer generation. And then the more that time passes and the more Barbie reflects the world that's changing. And like, mm-hmm. you know, then a few years later when, like, as, as like the free love movement comes in, the hair gets longer and yeah. straighter and there's less makeup and it's all these changes that happen. And the more and more, more ways of feminism come in, they have problems with her and she keeps trying to change and change and widen and expand and diversify. Yeah. And now she's in a wheelchair and now she has a skin condition and now she's all, all dolls yeah. of the world and like, you know, all these things. Now there's a ramp in her dream house for the wheelchair, you know, like, it doesn't matter what she does. Everyone always hates her. Yeah. <laughs> and that is actually the more, the way in which she relates to the female experience more than anything. It's, yeah, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. There's no, not, there's, there's nothing no you can do. There's no way of winning this game. Yeah. And Barbie knows that better than anybody. She is awesome. We are her. Yeah. <laughs> we are all Barbie. We are all Barbie. Oh. Wrestling under the weight of a culture's expectations. What did you think of the final line? I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it very much. <laughs> yes, I, I didn't see it coming at all. Who could? Like, just, you know, I'm here to see my gynecologist. <laughs> it was so, it was, it was perfect. Because, oh, just the rug pull on that. Just the, it's so good. Just the framing of like you think she's about to interview for a job or something. Yeah, and she's gonna be the CEO of Mattel, and she's gonna design Barbies, or she's gonna change the world. And no. It's just that she's got a brand new vagina. <laughs> she wants to check it's okay. And then like she's so happy about it. Oh, she's so happy about her new vagina. She is. And also the fact that like in some ways having a vagina is a job itself. Oh, it really is. It is. And what an honor. What an honour. What an honour. An honour and a privilege. An honour and a privilege. Yeah, I thought it was a, an absolutely phenomenal final line. I just, I, yeah, the whole thing. The whole thing. I will be watching it again. And I'll probably watch it again and then kick myself for all these things I didn't notice and be like, oh my God, I can't talk about that. And then I'll do another debrief with you. And just the... After, after your, you know, your marriage. It's just so... Like, the thing is, I'm never going to be on a plane again and not watch mm. this movie. It's going to be like great. It's going to be like what Spice World has previously been for you and I. Yes. Which is the... when. I'm staying at your house and we yeah. just want to watch something and it's usually Spice World. Oh. And also just girls the world over are getting a brand new sleepover movie. They are. And just like for young girls as well. I was talking to one of my clients this week because obviously mm. I've talked to all my clients about Barbie. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, hi Barbie to hi, Barbie. all the people. Um, and he was saying that his partner came home from seeing it just in floods of tears because she just wished she'd had that kind of representation and that yeah. sort of that story growing up. And I was I hadn't seen it at that point and I was like, oh God, I'm going into something quite... Felt, but I I can feel that I think, yeah, for like teenage girls and for tweenage girls and just for young women in general to see this film, 
Yeah, it's, it's very good. It's very, it's it's just so incredibly rare that a movie is made for a female audience where this degree of care is taken. Yes. Like, it was all created for us, you know? It was created for the female gaze. Yeah. And that's nice. And, yeah, I say, no villains, no actual threat of violence. And just so really funny. Really great sets. Fantastic clothes. Just the little the little duvet she slept under, the little sequin duvet. It had the exact right texture and the size of the sequins was so big, like it was a little doll. Mm. Just all of that was so satisfying to watch that... I just, yeah, I could just, you could put me in, I've never wanted to wear an Oculus Rift to make me feel seasick, but you could put me yeah. in an Oculus Rift in a Barbie dream house and I'd be happy for like 10 hours. What were your favourite outfit? Favourite outfit? Or um, outfits? Um, okay, okay, that's really difficult. <sighs> Can I have a top three? Yes. Okay, my top three were um, the silly outfit they wore when cycling. Um, through through the tulip fields yes, <laughs> with the yes. little little trousers, what they called it, lederhosen. Um, I really enjoyed her dancing uh, her big oh. dance party outfit. It reminded me very much of your Hindu outfit, actually. A little bit, <laughs> a little yeah. bit. Um, actually, no, yeah. Issa Rae's outfit in that scene is oh, very like my my Hindu. Yes, face. very yeah. sort of like lovely. Yeah. And then, oh, I'm torn. I'm torn. Okay, I actually really did think the rollerblading outfit was phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> Just the the big like, how did they make them so yellow and so neon? The and, big and skates. that's also that's the Barbie that like we knew as well that would have been our generation of Barbie I remember that that workout outfit so well yeah when those are the bendable, poseable gymnast Barbie God. had a very similar kind of mesh outfit on yes stunning what were your favourite okay. outfits I loved the um, sort of slightly prim blue outfit that she wore to go see Weird Barbie for the first time prim blue outfit yeah, yeah with like, the some, like white knee socks a bit like Air Hostess Barbie sort yes. of thing yeah yeah. Yes. Yes. Loved Actually, that. weird Barbie. A moment for her. A moment for weird Barbie. Just the way she was in the splits. <laughs> that that dog. Rob Brydon as sh- as sugar sugar's, daddy. Sugar's daddy. Sugar's daddy. All the discontinued Barbies were such such a joy. Sorry, I, I interrupted you on your outfits. The outfits. There were two more, at least two. Oh, uh, her. Her um, leaving Barbie land mm-hmm. in her little hat. And the fact that, like, something Ella pointed out, that, like, whenever her hair was in a braid, it was that thick braid that oh. is, like, four times as big as the doll's head, which is how braids always appear on dolls. How does it happen? I mean, I guess it's because they've got <laughs> so little heads and such much hair. Yes. Oh. Anyway. And, and oh, her her sleep outfit. It was just like... And the fact that every single time you saw her in Barbie land, there was a different wig. Every single Such time. a wig movie. So many wigs, so many outfits, so many shoes, so many modes of transport. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little spaceship. Oh. And I'm, ju- I'm just so glad that we're trusting Get- Greta Gerwig with the big female myths, you know? Totally. And I think what's she so hasn't interesting... hasn't let us down yet. What's interesting about her as a creator is that she's so... She's so... Despite the, like She's like the one of the greatest film directors working now and you like Mm -hmm. in terms of technical filmmaking like faultless in terms of the references she's pulling from they are deep and they are enormous Mm -hmm. like and they are international and eclectic and you know you can't doubt her no and if you compare her to you know the the woman who directed like Zero Dark Thirty is it Catherine Hardwick yeah it's just historically you see a lot of women directors who can only thrive by making sort of Mm. almost apologising for their femininity and it's quite rare to find somebody who's like just so much here to wrestle with the the the, every film she makes is about what it's like to be a woman in some way and and that being a big enough subject as it is you know yes so true because I mean it's it's one of those things that's still I think very true in the workplace is that one of the best ways to be a successful woman in the workplace is to kind of act like a man Mm -hmm. or at least to emulate those behaviours in particularly corporate worlds and you're not really getting to true like equality and diversity until people are allowed to, to yeah. just be themselves and to show up the way that they are and talk about the things they care about and better go like being able to turn up in this extremely male-dominated industry and you say do the the girliest movie of all and yeah. have it be one of the most successful well, movies. That of- fantastic bit at the start where that um, somebody is like some lawyer Barbie is giving her closing 
whatever and saying like I um, I feel passionately about live this and I'm emotional about it and I do not see the two as being yeah. in conflict I can feel both with equal measure it's so true they're very clever those Barbies very clever babies I do feel like say I kind of went into Barbie feeling Barb ambivalent mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like I mean about Barbie as a concept obviously I was very excited to see the film and now I sort of I feel like I have a newfound respect and affection for Barbie oh. which I think is very nice actually that is having nice. you know I'm 36 years old and I've never previously I've never previously understood Barbie I've interacted with her mm. but well, I welcome to the club thank you I always felt she wasn't for me and now I do now I feel like I'm I'm allowed to be to be Barbie as well I really felt like as somebody who who would lo- like to have children and if I'm really honest I would like to have daughters <laughs> <laughs> I say just, I'm interested in having children. Just between you and I. What I say it's, is it's I'm interested. Safe space. <laughs> I'm gonna, when I have a son, I'm going to scrub this from the archives. Uh, <laughs> uh, it really made uh, I, I, that those scenes where you know you it's, it's kind of obviously telegraphed, mm-hmm. but America Ferrera's character, you know, it's revealed that it's it's her Barbie. You know, yeah. it's like those were her memories that she has, and she loves Barbie, and it really made me think of like this is a you know like my my mother is in her 60s and she had a Barbie, you know? Mm. Like, and we all, like, my my sister had a Barbie and she's in her 40s and I I had a Barbie in my 30s. There's endless lineage of yeah. women who have the same toy and then, like, one day I'll have a little girl and maybe she doesn't, won't care about Barbie, but I'll try and make her care about Barbie for sure. And then I get to play Barbies with her. And, yeah. like, whenever I um, see my niece who's 11 and she's very frank, she's like, oh, I, I've grown out of Barbie, of course. But, like, uh, <laughs> you know, she's, she's not in that stage where she can easily appreciate things that she enjoyed as a small child because yeah. when you're 11 you're trying to get away from the things you you have to be much further away from yeah, it yeah. to be able to have nostalgia for it it's just too close to be totally and, and you don't want to be like you don't want to think you're still a baby no you know? of course not Ugh. but we have this little ritual where um, I take her out for lunch when I'm home and we talk about our careers and <laughs> she, just want, she wants very badly to be an actor and she's in a show so you know oh, amazing her. and um, then we go for bubble tea and we take the bubble tea to the toy shop in Cork and we just walk down the doll aisle and we review all the Barbies. And she can appreciate it if it's like from a style and aesthetic point okay, of view. Okay, yeah. So it's my favourite thing that I do and I can't wait. I think you, yeah, I can't wait for you to do this as well. <laughs> and I think you should just give Barbies to your son if you have a son as well. <laughs> yeah. Why, why are we saying Barbies are only for the girls? Yeah, I don't think uh, the Barbie movie was ready to wrestle with that yet. Maybe maybe in Barbie 2. I don't know. I think it was. I think Will Ferrell's character was a man who loved Barbies. Oh, that's true. He loved Barbie. He loved Barbie so much. And he was ultimately a very benign character who just appreciated the world and wanted to protect it. Yeah. I just... Barbie saying to Ken at the very end, maybe it's Barbie and, and it's, it's Ken. Ken. My last thing on the Ken performance, which I I just I just loved, is that I feel like so much of it was almost a parody of the kind of male roles that we nominate for Best Actor. Because like, do you know what I mean? Like there was this bit in the, Oh I do. There's this bit where she comes back from the real world and she goes, you know, the girls are screwed up, you know, mm-hmm. we failed them. And he went, he goes, No, you failed me. <laughs> And everyone around him is like, oh. it's, it's it's exactly how we react when like a male a man does a dramatic role, and it was such a parody of like an Oscar's real moment. Oh my god, yeah, that moment where he's like having the weep on the bed. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, I, I yeah, I think this is for me one of the great takeaways of this conversation is my, I mean, I already respected Ryan Gosling's performances, mm-hmm. but now I just the fact that he came back for us, the fact that he was yeah. very prepared to send up the previous like you know a solid chunk of his career yeah the driver a place beyond the pines all these like serious boy roles and he's here he's here he's back and indeed Margot because I feel like I saw a clip some I've, I'm sure it's doing around the rounds and everyone will have seen it the one where a few years ago someone refers to her as a, as a Barbie in an interview and she goes no I'm not Barbie mm. I think because it was meant in a slightly not insulting way but a yeah. little bit just a kind of a diminishing of who she was and she's now like I am Barbie and Barbie is great and I love that for her too I love her I love her too 
I love them all. I, I love my all. Barbies. I even enjoyed little Helen Mirren doing the narrator voice just at random on occasion through the film and referencing Margot Robbie. And I was just like... Just referencing at, her perfect beauty. Just at every moment. I was like, literally, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig was like, and I think I'll just do this. And she did. You and can just really see her in the editing booth being like, kind of curling her lip at like, I cannot in good faith have Margot Robbie say to potentially very impressionable young, young girls that she's not pretty anymore. I just cannot. <laughs> I cannot and will not abide by that. Yeah, I'm going to need something here to go over it. Yeah. And her just calling up Mirren again. Can you just voice note just me? Just chuck me this really quickly. I've just realised there's a problem here. I just really cannot and can't conscious allow this. I, just, I, can't, I can't do that. But I just, I feel like just as a director, she's been so unselfconscious with this film. I don't know if that mm. is the kind of an extraordinary act of self-consciousness that is has been managed so well that it comes off mm. as being completely kind of, I don't want to say artless, that's not what I mean, but I mean, it, it comes across as very like naive and pure and earnest, but mm. it just, it feels that way. It doesn't feel like a movie where she sat around being like, I wonder what people will think of this. It yeah. feels like a movie that she wanted to make and that she just kind of enjoyed making. And, and, and by put nature out into the world. of the of the contrast constructed sets mm. must have felt while shooting it like a world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I kept thinking when I was watching that D Day Landings thing of like they haven't seen the rushes. They're not seeing oh, these are actors who I think most of them are actually dancers, the background actors, okay, yeah. because they're able to hold themselves in these positions or yeah. whatever. Um the there must have been so many moments when they were like, what are we doing? This what could are either we making? be the greatest film of all time yeah. or the worst. Or it could be like Showgirls, but for children. Showgirls is very good. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Showgirls is very good. I think, yeah. I think they hit a home run here. Yeah. I have no criticisms of this film and I will be seeing it again. Probably tomorrow. <laughs> and then on every plane journey for the rest of my every life. Every plane journey for because the rest of my life. Because the thing is, if I look over day. and I see somebody else watching it on I'll their TV, I'll have to put it on because otherwise I'll just be watching their TV. That's very true. And that would be creepy and weird. Yeah. So bye, Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Barbie. Thanks, Barbie. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.